You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and any other gender you care to be. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, we're going to have a talk about guns, gun rights, gun laws, actual guns, military guns, civilian guns, home defense guns. We're going to cover it all today. We're going to start with a self-defense story. Now, I don't know if any of you guys are aware, but if you're a Lyft or Uber driver, it is against their policy for you to carry a weapon as a Lyft or an Uber driver. Now, of course, any good, hardworking American is going to say, you know what, my rights don't end where your company policy starts. And for you to be able to limit the Constitution based on company policy is ridiculous. So there was a female Lyft driver. She was employed or working for Lyft, and uh, she picked up two men in their 20s in a Cleveland area neighborhood in Ohio at about 1 a.m., One of the passengers demanded that he sit in the front seat. Now, because of the company's new COVID protocols, this is a violation of their company policy to allow anybody to sit in the front with the driver. But he got in the front seat and then started punching this woman in the face, I guess trying to carjack her, attack her, you know, whatever they were going to do. She pulls her handgun from the center console and opened fire on her attackers. So, and that apparently was enough. Now, I don't know if any, it was, no, nobody knows if any of the men got shot because they didn't find any of them. And if they did, they went somewhere else for treatment where they weren't found. But the gunfire was enough to scare the carjackers away and potentially save her life, or at least her from from being maimed or taking a, a beating for sure. She needs to be nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Yep. And apparently, one of them was trying to choke her from the back while the other one was punching her in the face. These are two men in their 20s trying to beat this woman up. And she pulled her weapon, fired it, and the men left. And then shortly thereafter, she was fired by Lyft. They did not allow her to be a driver anymore because she pulled her weapon to defend her life. Yeah, I can't take riding groups anymore because Uber, Lyft, they're a bunch of anti-gun Yeah, they're anti-American. I mean, and anti-American. Anti-American companies. All these, you know, we say, yo, people from China are taking over. Well, anti-American companies are all over this country, and they're taking over, and they're putting in company policy that violates the Constitution. It is the epitome of crony capitalism. They're in bed with the Democrat Party. Just, yeah. Just, that's, right. that's my two cents. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're getting attacked, what are you supposed to do? Now, let me ask you this. Could she have sued Lyft if they had hurt her, if they had maimed her? She should sue She should sue them anyway. Yeah, she should probably sue them anyway. But the fact that she was able to defend herself and keep herself from being killed, maimed, potentially, you know, hurt forever is probably better than having to sue them afterwards. But I think if any company tells you you cannot carry a weapon on their premises, they should automatically be responsible for your safety if they're going to take away your right of self-protection, they should take on the responsibility. Meaning, if you're in a place that doesn't allow weapons and somebody comes in with a weapon and starts shooting people or attacking people, that company takes full responsibility for every bit of damage they do to anybody who's in their facility. Now, of course, this won't happen because they don't have that liability. But if they take away your ability to defend yourself, they should automatically be responsible to take on this type of uh, liability, I guess, to be responsible for your safety. If they're going to tell you you can't do it, then they should have to do it. 
But, of course, that's probably not going to happen. But a Lyft spokesperson told the news outlet they stand by their decision to fire the driver despite the circumstances. Our no-weapons policy applies when you are doing business as a representative of Lyft. Includes times you are driving for a Lyft as well as times you are visiting a Lyft hub. This means even places where it is legal to carry a weapon, we ask that you do not carry a weapon on any Lyft property. Now, I don't understand. Now, could they could they limit free speech? Could you say, oh, no, you're not allowed to have free speech in any car that is a Lyft driver, that is driven by a Lyft driver or under the employment of Lyft? You're not allowed to say certain things. You're not allowed to, uh, you know, have more than two people in there because that would be uh, congregating. That would be um, assembling. But yet it doesn't matter, you know, that you can violate almost any law having to do with guns and nobody seems to say anything about it. But yet, if you violate any other laws, it's considered unconstitutional, it's un-American, it's illegal. But only the Second Amendment is considered the, I don't know, the one that anybody can violate and nobody seems to care. Because right now, 15 states allow concealed carry without permits, and nine more states are considering the change. That would be great if we could get half the states in the country to have a concealed weapon allowability without a permit that'd be so easy to do it would make things much easier but i still think these companies need to be held responsible when they violate second amendment rights and don't allow you to carry your weapon to defend yourself uh um mr uh uh b got a question for you yep okay if if uh all these states say you don't have to have a license to carry does that mean i'm gonna get some new westerns on tv (laughs) it's entirely possible i don't know it'll be interesting to see now there's also a um a Utah representative who's once, he's a Republican lawmaker, sponsoring a bill that would allow any citizen of the United States over 21 to carry a concealed weapon without a background check or weapons education. Does that mean because I'm uh, about four times 21, I get to carry four weapons? Well, I guess if you can carry one, you can carry four or six or eight or ten. <laughs> you know, as much as you can carry and still function, I suppose. But that's going to be something that's, you know, that's come to bear again. Now, here's another one. If you're, where is this, at a Wisconsin shopping mall, it's a gun-free mall. They do not want you to have a weapon on your person in this mall. Now, again, if they do this, they should be required to be responsible for any damage, any any type of personal injury that results from somebody having a gun in their property because when they tell you you cannot, they should automatically have to take responsibility for that. And if we did this in more places, I think a lot of these places would eliminate gun-free zones because they don't want to take on that much responsibility. What if someone were to come in and start shooting up the place and anybody who had a permit could sue them for potential damages? That would be a great way to eliminate all these companies from instituting policy that violates the Constitution. How many, uh, you know, we had the shooting at Perimeter Mall many years ago. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, God, that was uh, several decades ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, how many of the malls are responsible or have lost lawsuits because they claim no uh, gun-free zone or whatever? I don't know. You know, they're, they're not, I don't think you're allowed. You can sue them. But I don't know that you'd actually get anywhere with it because they're saying the mall has no responsibility for someone else's actions. But yet they're taking away your ability to defend yourself. 
So I think if they take away that ability, they should automatically be responsible for your safety if they're taking that on. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, although I think it should. That would be a lawsuit that would be interesting to bring up. Say, you told me I couldn't carry mine. I couldn't defend myself. Therefore, I'm putting that responsibility on you. If you're taking it, you're taking the responsibility away from me, I'm putting it on you. And if you cannot meet the, the requirements of that responsibility, then I can sue you for everything you're worth. You can own your own mall perhaps one day. That would be kind of fun. But in this mall, they have a no-guns-allowed policy, and they're bringing in dogs trained to detect firearms. So if you're walking through this mall, a dog could walk up and you start sniffing you, and they could, I guess they could ask to search you. I'm not sure how that would work, or they could ask you to leave. I'm not sure if they're allowed, if a mall security company is allowed to search you without your permission. I would not think so. But they're trying to have these professionals identify anyone in violation of their important policy, their important policy to violate the Second Amendment. And they're using this canine program as an ongoing commitment to provide a safe and peaceful and inclusive environment for everyone. (laughs) So basically, if a mall shooter comes in here, everybody in the mall is defenseless against anybody meaning to do harm. So again, does the mall hold responsibility? Probably not. In fact, right now they do not. They're not responsible for any of that, although they should be. You know, and there was, okay, apparently on no, back in November there was an altercation between two groups of people that led to a 15-year-old pulling a gun and opening fire, wounding eight people, including four innocent bystanders. He was taken into custody after he fled the mall, and he's for, currently facing eight separate counts of reckless injury while armed with a dangerous weapon. And now since then, there's been concerns about the safety. That's what caused this. There was an incident that caused this to happen. But do they really think making it a gun-free zone is going to keep a criminal from pulling a gun? And sh- I mean, no normal person would pull a gun and just start shooting people at random unless they're a criminal. They're not a law-abiding citizen. So this law is not going to do anything. I mean, yeah, a 15-year-old with a handgun, first of all, he sh- he can't even own a handgun until you're 21. So he had acquired the gun illegally, illegally had it in his possession, and apparently illegally used it as well. So they're trying to clump all the criminals in with law-abiding citizens and tell them, well, even law-abiding citizens cannot have guns in our mall, which I just, I just don't know. Now, the dogs are trained to sniff out oils and gunpowder residue left behind after firearm discharges. Is it possible they could inadvertently hit on a customer who'd been to the range that day or someone who's been out hunting early in the day? What about I guess. Magnetometers. Who? What about magnetometers? Oh, metal? Yeah, I mean, you could have a big belt buckle, though, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah, they could run you through a metal detector. If you have a big wad of keys in your pocket or something, you're going to show up. Do you want to go to a mall? You have to get searched just to go into it? I think that would be a sure. I mean, malls are already in trouble. They're already having issues because online sales are killing malls. And this just seems like one more way to get the malls to go ahead and put that final nail in their coffin and shut themselves down. So, I mean, I just don't understand. how. I mean, I don't understand. It doesn't say how they're going to confront the person. Do they tell them to leave because we think you have a gun on you? I mean, are they, are they allowed? And then if you don't have a gun on you and they ask you to leave... Could that be construed as discriminatory? Can you sue them for discrimination? I I think this opens them up to a whole bunch of lawsuits, personally, especially if a canine gets it wrong, goes after somebody who'd been to the range, does not have a gun on them, 
and then they asked them to leave based on information that was incorrect. Therefore, they discriminated against this person incorrectly for no reason whatsoever other than he smelled like gunpowder or has the wrong cologne on or something or went to the range that day. So that's something to be considered. I mean, I hope somebody gets thrown out of the mall without a weapon and they sue them, sue the pants off and go and shut the mall down. And I would think that during this time you'd want people, law-abiding citizens, to be armed and be able to help you protect your other patrons. You know, even now I don't know what the laws are in Wisconsin as far as having a gun. A lot of places have requirements for training. A lot of states do not. I know in Georgia we have no requirements for any type of training. You just have to be over 21 in good standing with the federal government, and you can get your gun permit, and you can carry pretty much anywhere except certain federal, uh, certain government buildings. They don't allow in airports, of course, stuff like that. But this mall is going to try and. Shut people down from carrying a gun. And I just wonder how effective the gun-sniffing dogs are going to be. I don't know. I've never heard of gun-sniffing dogs before. But if you train regularly at the range and go to this mall, there's a good chance they could throw you out even if you are not carrying anything. And now would be the time I would start contacting a lawyer and saying, okay, how much is this case worth? A discrimination lawsuit against somebody who assumed I was carrying a gun based on their faulty dog. <laughs> And I do like dogs. I like dogs better than most people, so something to consider. And I would not want the dogs to get in trouble here. Okay, I want to get into one more thing here. Now we're getting into some real guns. The Army is officially buying the sniper rifle that the entire military wants. That's right. It's official. The Army plans on dishing out several thousand next-generation sniper rifles for soldiers over the next five years. <clears throat> Now this is the uh, the MRAD sniper system. This is the uh, the Barrett, the bolt action design. What do they call this thing? The the multi role adaptive rifle. That's the the Barrett rifle, and it's available. It's easily changeable calibers for different jobs. You can change barrel lengths. You can. It's a very modular design. You can change triggers. You can change length of pull. You can change all kinds of settings or measurements on the rifle to meet the certain person's need or to meet a certain mission need. And they're apparently going to spend $10.13 million purchasing approximately 2,800 PSR systems over the next five years. Now, I guess, I don't know if that would go which each squad would have one sniper or any squad that had a sniper might get to have one of these rifles. And the fact that they're adaptable, the Barrett, the Barrett rifle is very adaptable for any situation. You can change so many things on it, which is great because this way, depending on the mission, where they are, what they're up against, their environment, they can change the rifle to meet their needs. And let's see, they're showing, okay, uh, da, da, da. they were also awarded a $50 million contract to Barrett to adopt the MRAD. Okay, so that means the 10 point one three million was to, for a different for five hundred and thirty six, and now they're going to get even more of them. Now here's the thing: they can chamber it in seven six two by fifty one, which is three oh eight, three hundred Norma Magnum, which is a cartridge that's a, probably equivalent to a three hundred Winchester Magnum, or very similar, and a three thirty eight Norma Magnum. With the help of a conversion kit. Now, these are the Norma Magnums are actually excellent cartridges, but they are not very common. They're generally very expensive. Of course, the military doesn't care. They're using our money to buy their ammo with, and they probably get better prices than anybody does anyway. But they're simply adapting the rifles under the SOCOM program 
and now they're going to they're they're talking about possibly replacing the M107, which the M107 is the 50 caliber Barrett that's been in service for oh probably over 20 years now. But I just don't know that replacing the Barrett at this point would be the best thing because none of these cartridges they've mentioned have the impact of the 50 caliber BMG cartridge. So I hope they're going to hold on to some of those Barretts because I'm sure there are people who can use those because they can be used against equipment as well for precision hits on equipment, which is something these other rifles probably would not be near as effective at. But we'll have to see. They're talking. They're saying this rifle offers extended range over the current systems. They're lighter weight because I think the current system is a semi-automatic. Uh, they call it an MK110, a semi-automatic version of a 308. And semi-automatics are never as, or hardly ever, as accurate as a bolt-action rifle. And these, um, the MRADs are bolt-action rifles. The multi-role adaptive design is a bolt-action design. So the accuracy on these is expected to be better. But the fact that they have the modularity, the adjustability, adds operational flexibility and uh, can reduce cost in having to have multiple rifles available for multiple different missions. Here they can just adapt each rifle for the mission it's going for and change it later if they need to. Let's see. They can An armorer can install trigger packs with different characteristics or make adjustments to the stock and everything to, to fit different shooters. And they plan on starting to deliver these sometime in the spring. So hopefully they'll get these in and the Army will have better sniper rifles than they had before. But I really hope they hold on to the, M- the MK107 because it, it was just, it's a, uh, it's a legendary weapon in my eyes. It's just amazing. The 50 caliber was one of the first big sniper weapons or big precision weapons that fires the 50 caliber BMG. So that's something to look out for in the future. And hopefully, eventually, maybe if the MRAD becomes popular enough with the military, they'll drop the price a little bit and have better civilian versions out. Because the Barretts are generally rather expensive, but they are extremely well built. So if you can afford any type of Barrett, it's probably a weapon worth having. Okay, we were talking about gun-free zones in, uh, in Wisconsin, in the mall. Well, now there's a Wyoming bill... That if passes, this is going to end most of the gun-free zones in the state of Wyoming. <laughs> so while Democrats in Washington and other states are trying to remove guns from everywhere, Wyoming is getting is passing a bill, hopefully, that will get rid of gun-free zones across the state. And it's already been filed. Senate File 67 would allow people to carry guns into governmental meetings, including those of the legislature, as well as schools, colleges, and universities. But owners of businesses and private property would still be able to ban guns if they want to do so. And while the carrying of guns into schools would be allowed, school districts would have the authority to prohibit school employees from carrying guns on district property. So as a parent, you could carry your gun onto school grounds, but as a teacher, if you were employed by the school, the school could tell you you cannot. But, of course, this is Wyoming. It's a little different. This is not New York City. This is not New Jersey or Connecticut or, or California. They realize the value of an armed teacher, I believe. And I believe they would probably not push to disarm teachers in Wyoming because they know if anything were to happen, the first line of defense is going to be the people in the building. And if nobody in the building has a gun, they're defenseless against anybody who decides to come in and do something. But hopefully they'll push that through. It's not a, it's not gone into law yet, but it is a bill that's pending. 
So this would actually stop all government buildings. You'd be able to carry guns into the government buildings, which would be something that's not usually done in most states. And it's funny because 98% of mass public shootings since 1950 had have occurred where citizens are banned from having guns. Of course. Why is a criminal going to go to a place where he knows they allow people to carry guns? He doesn't want to get shot. He doesn't want to have any confrontation. He doesn't want to have any competition. He wants to go in there and shoot as many people as he can and have nobody shooting back at him. Well, this would eliminate a lot of the safety that they'd be providing a mass shooter. All these places that have gun-free zones, they're providing safety to mass shooters who want to come in and violate the law. And if gun-free zones work so well, why don't they make places in D.C. gun-free zones? Instead, they protect politicians with guns. Why? Why don't they just put up a gun-free zone sign and call it a day? Yeah, because politicians believe in guns to protect them, but you cannot have a gun to protect yourself. For me, but not for thee, as Victor often says on his show. It's just, it's going to be crazy to see this, but eventually more and more places are going to come out violating the Constitution and not allowing weapons on their premises, which I think is just going to be crazy. Now, I hope this passes and and people get this through and Wyoming becomes a state where you can carry a gun almost anywhere and protect yourself. Now, that's something you have to consider when you go out. If you see a sign in a restaurant or a store or somewhere, do you actually, do you pay attention to it? Do you go back to your car? Do you remove your weapon? Especially if you're carrying concealed and you know it's pretty well concealed, how many of you would go back and remove your weapon, put it back in the car, and then go back into the place of business in order to not violate their company policy? Me, personally, I'm not paying attention to signs as I walk in a store, so I almost never see them. I mean, I have to say I've never seen one where I've walked into a place and saw there were no guns allowed. So I just tend to carry, and I figure if anything happens, I'll protect myself, and I'd rather be judged by company policy than to be shot dead because I couldn't defend myself. It's just a matter of simplicity, people. If someone is coming in to do harm and you can't defend yourself, then you're setting yourself up to be a sitting duck. If you don't want to do this... Take the responsibility for yourself. Carry the weapon. And, you know, if somebody happens to see it or call you out on it, then they'll ask you to leave. So you leave and you come back later without it. Or you come back another time when they're not paying attention. Because most of these places are probably not even going to pursue the fact that you're not supposed to have one. Unless it's very obvious and a lot of people complain. But if you're carrying concealed and nobody knows it's there... No one's going to say anything about it. You know, more than likely it's going to go unnoticed. You'll walk in, get all your stuff, walk out, and you'll be done. Because I know a lot of stores have this except for law enforcement professionals. They allow, most of them allow law enforcement professionals to carry inside their places of business. A few do not. And we've talked about those before where there, uh, there was a coffee shop where they wouldn't even want the police in the coffee shop because they were afraid it would intimidate their customers. It makes me wonder who their customers are if they're intimidated by law enforcement in the building. I mean, are these all criminals? Are these all people with records who don't want to be uh, caught doing something wrong? Who knows? But be aware, when you carry, you have to be responsible. Now, some states... They can ask you to leave, and if you just leave, you're probably fine. Other states, 
I believe it's a misdemeanor if you carry into a place that has a sign that says you're not supposed to have a weapon. Now, most places would probably just rather have you leave than call the police and cause a big scene because, to be honest, probably in most places, 50% of the people would be for it and 50% of the people would be against it. So do you want to alienate 50% of your customers? And it probably depends on the store manager, too. If a store manager is a pro-gun person, he's not going to enforce company policy as strictly. Now, unless he gets a complaint and sees somebody waving something around or showing something that they shouldn't show, he may go over there and ask him to cover it up or say, please put it in the car because everyone's seen it now. We know it's here. But that's something you have to decide when you carry. How far do you go to avoid gun-free zones? Do you just don't go anywhere they don't allow it? Or Now, in government offices, I think you have to be a little bit more concerned because that's violating federal or state law if you carry into certain government offices. But with um, private companies, you're violating company policy. It's, I don't know, and there's probably, I don't think the, the sentence for violating company policy is anything more than get out of our store. In which case, you have to abide. If you start arguing with them, then you can be charged with disturbing the peace, you know, uh, causing causing a ruckus in public or something like that. It's just, you know, there's all kinds of things they can charge you with if you decide to fight with them if they want to throw you out. But like I said, if you're carrying concealed properly, no one can see your weapon until they need to see it. And at that point, if you were to shoot a gunman who was starting to shoot people in the store... I doubt they would try and hold you, you know, criminally responsible for saving all their customers' lives. That would be kind of silly. The fact that you could do that would would seem like a big advantage to anybody who knows anything about mass shootings. Because if you're making your store into a gun-free zone, you're making it into a target. Like the statistic we just quoted, over 95% of all Mass shootings since the 50s have been committed in gun-free zones. So make your store a gun-free zone, and you open it up to being a potential target. And why would you want to do that? I don't know. That seems like a liability issue. But what needs to happen is more of these companies, more of these stores, more of these locations need to be sued for violating constitutional rights. Now, could you imagine if they made it a no free speech zone? You're not allowed to speak your mind here. If you say certain things, they can kick you out of the store. Which, you know, in some cases, you know, if it violates the law, like you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, obviously, because that's a safety issue. And that's that's actually that could be libelous. You know, you you could be you could be held liable for causing injuries for doing something like that. But free speech in general is allowed in this country almost anywhere. And there's nowhere you see a sign that says no free speech allowed. Could you imagine if they started having places where you were not allowed to speak freely? In fact, I think it's coming. I believe Victor talked about this earlier today where there are places they're starting to limit free speech. In fact, oh, God, I wish I had the information, all of it. But there was apparently someone who was jailed for making memes about certain things that the government did not deem appropriate somehow. And it was Voltaire who once said, I may disagree with you vehemently, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. So, you know, free speech is something, it's it's a mixed bag. It's a seesaw. You know, if you give everybody the right to free speech, they can say what they want within reason, you know, fire, crowded theater. But other than that, they can say what they want. They can be Nazis. They can be socialists. They can be whatever. And they can state whatever policy they want. But the thing is, that's the downside of having a free speech society. 
Same thing with having a gun society. You have you would think you'd have to allow people to carry guns wherever they want to if they're legally allowed to do so. If the state law and federal laws allow them to do so, you wouldn't think a company could put a policy in place to deprive you of rights the Constitution guarantees. If they want to operate on American soil, you would think they'd have to operate by American law. And American law states shall the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And if you're infringing on this, you need to be held responsible. It'd be great if we could get a lawsuit through and actually sue some company, make them pay heavily for defending their decision to violate Second Amendment rights of American citizens. But I just don't think that's going to be a possibility, but we'll have to see. Um, now we're going to go to Missouri. No, not Missouri. Where are we? Uh, yeah, Missouri. Jefferson City, Missouri. There's a gun store that has declared on social media that it had no firearms or ammunition available to anyone who cast their vote for Joe Biden in November. <laughs> So if you're a Biden voter, they're 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 flat out saying they do not want to serve you. Now, according to uh you know, if you don't want to serve somebody who carries a weapon, you can not serve somebody who voted for a certain political person, I guess. I mean, the same thing was going with Trump. There were people who didn't want to support, you know, uh serve Trump supporters. Well, now it's the on on the other foot. Trigger firearms and reloading had some very angry responses in return to their supposed gun owners from the left, <laughs> declaring that the store was going to lose support and cash for reasons other than politics. Yeah, right. I would imagine most of the people buying guns are conservative in nature and did not vote for Joe Biden. If you are a gun if you are a gun owner in America and you voted for Biden, you voted to take your rights away. Not only is he going to shut down your rights, he's going to tax you to the point where you won't be able to own a gun anymore. And I know you say, oh, this won't happen. It can't happen. This is America. Well, let me tell you, these politicians are lying through their teeth every time they step forward, lay their hand on the Bible, and they swear to uphold the Constitution. All right, I'm going to have to come back and finish this in a minute. We're going to take a few, uh, few minutes for a break. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about politicians taking an oath, putting a hand on the Bible, and swearing to uphold the Constitution. 
And yet, in the very next breath, they will turn around and propose a gun law that violates the Constitution, that goes against the right that we have to keep and bear arms. So basically, these politicians stand there and lie to themselves. They lie in front of God and everybody with a hand on the Bible. Now, that makes me think, you better watch for lightning bolts if you're going to sit there and lie with your hand on a Bible. But they don't care. They've gotten to the point where there's no more God-fearing. They don't believe that there's going to be any repercussions for lying and taking this oath and then turning around and violating it. And we, the people, don't hold them responsible to it. We don't hold them responsible for violating their oaths. They turn around and they do whatever they want. Well, this store is trying to fight back. They're going to try and stop anybody who voted for Biden from buying guns in their store. Now, I don't know how they're going to enforce this. I don't know if they're going to ask. But, you know, just the fact that they put it out there is kind of interesting. You know, they pose the the idea that if you voted for Biden, you're not welcome here. Now, hopefully, Biden voter will come in there and try and test them on this. I'd like to see what happens. They have, they have the right to refuse service to anybody. Just like the business that doesn't allow you to carry weapons in their store. They can refuse service to you. And this place can refuse service to people who voted for Biden, too. I don't know if that would, you know, if somebody would want to sue them or something like that. But you know what? If you vote against having gun rights, if you vote for someone like Biden who wants to take your gun rights away, then you should not be able to exercise your gun rights either. If you're going to take them away from everybody else, then you need to be restricted as well. But I'm just so tired of these politicians. They sit there, like I say, and swear on a Bible. They're going to uphold the Constitution and all its laws and all the Bill of Rights and every part of it. And then they turn around and just ignore it like they never said it. And the thing is, people do not hold them responsible for this. There's no way to hold the politician responsible. You can try and vote them out the next term, but most of the people who don't realize they're violating their oath don't care. And they'll put them right back in office again. And they'll sit there for years trying to take away one right after another. Yep, Dave just gave me the universal money sign. There's lobbyists who will pay them to do these things over and over again. And it's just, it's sad that we have, you know, we ought to have NASCAR jackets on these guys so we know who's sponsoring these. You know, who know know who's sponsoring the senator to do this or do that. And it's funny because no matter which side of the, the fence they stand on, they'll get money from somewhere. But, you know, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed is clear. It doesn't leave any ambiguity. It doesn't leave any room for other interpretation. So this store doing this is just, I mean, it's interesting to see. And I wonder, and they're probably going to work to try and stop, because Joe Biden's going to come up with a gun ban. It's it's just a matter of time. Now, I don't know if he's going to try and executive order this in or if he's actually going to do it a proper way and try and pass a law. But with an executive order, that means the next president who comes in could repeal it or pull it back. You know, But it's just it's silly that he can do this without going through Congress or the Senate. But because the Congress and the Senate are both democratically controlled, I wonder if they could pass some sweeping gun bill with no problem. Could they actually shut the thing down? But I don't know. That's going to be something that we're going to have to see. I mean, so far, Biden's been setting records with his executive orders. But so far, he hasn't come after the guns yet. But I have a feeling it's just a matter of time before he does. So we'll have to see how that goes. But I hope he stays away from them. He's got other things to do. He needs to deal with COVID. He needs to deal with vaccines. He needs to deal with shutting down pipelines to kill 100,000 jobs. I mean, he's got a lot of other things he needs to deal with. And because he shut down those pipelines, now Warren Buffett 
who has control of a ton of rail lines and rail cars is going to make a ton of money shipping gas and oil by rail car, by truck. All these, all this gas and oil has to be shipped somehow. And instead of using a pollution-free pipeline, we're going to use diesel trucks, diesel trains, and haul this stuff all over the country and put that much more risk to our country and our environment by not using a pipeline. Well, just to clarify something, and I'm certainly not defending Biden by any okay. stretch, but the pipeline's still running. He didn't. He didn't shut down the movement of oil from point A to point B. No, where it's where complete. It where yeah, it's complete. But he, he shut down he shut, the completion of it. Yeah, and and you know the pipeline is. It's like a a tree, like a. It has many. Oh yeah, there are there are over and, three million miles of pipeline in yeah. the United States right now. So, you know, from my interest, we're not dead in the water because we can still still pump, use what's still there. The, the pipeline. It's just the auxiliary that was coming in that was to come in. But it's supposed now, to go another thousand miles south to cover yeah. to be able to get stuff to the rest of the country. Yeah, but you know that's yes. And the other thing that burns me is that they keep talking about the construction of the pipeline. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, what, 11,000, 16,000 jobs or whatever it was instantly, but then they don't go into the detail of how much those builders were spending in small towns. Oh, right, right. That's why I say probably close to 100,000 people have been affected by this. All the restaurants, all the, you know, the Walmarts, all the stores there. All the hotels, all the places they were staying, all the car repair places, everywhere that was getting all this extra business from all the pipeline workers being there is now gone. All that money is gone. You know, the other thing that if you're talking about guns and gun control and carry and all this stuff, <laughs> yeah. what happens if – does age matter if you shoot somebody? I don't think so. Okay, so so you're going to go to jail and possibly be executed in 50 years or something. Yeah, when they yeah. get around to when it. When they get around to it. What's the difference in that and full-term abortions? Uh, that's an issue I don't want to get into because I don't think you can change anybody's mind on the abortion issue. <laughs> Everybody has their own opinion on that, and uh, most of it is religiously driven, so I'm not going to try and argue with anybody. Everybody has their own ideas. Now, I understand there are certain circumstances in which case it should not be a question. Somebody's life is in danger, something like that. You know, Do you, do you, kill, do you make a mother carry to term? If she's got three other kids and they know Carrington Term is going to kill her, do you make all those three kids orphans because you want her to, to finish the term on a fourth child? Who knows? You know, there's a lot of moral issues there that come up, and I don't want to be the one to have to answer that. That's something I'm going to let go to the, the people involved and their doctors. Let them make their health care decisions on their own. But I understand, yeah, aborting a baby six minutes before it's born, that seems a little extreme. That yes. seems a lot extreme. <laughs> or six minutes after it's been born. Oh, really? Oh, you can go out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Too bad my mom didn't know about that. She might have tried to <laughs> do that to me ten years yeah. later, but yeah. still. Yeah. When, you, when you were 12. <laughs> That's right. Go, oh, I've had enough of you. I'm going to abort you now. Yes. Uh, no, it's just our country has to become in a... Whether they like it or not, they have to become educated. And I certainly appreciate what you're doing here 
on educating them about weapons. And oh the yes, laws. the gun stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we can continue that. Now we're back to Missouri. I think we just left Missouri. Yeah, we just left Jefferson City, Missouri. Now we're going to the Missouri Senate. The uh, the, the Senate in Missouri has voted twenty three to ten to nullify federal gun control laws. Now, what does that mean? That means that the state of Missouri is not going to recognize any federal laws that they feel violate the Second Amendment. Now, <laughs> now this is going to be interesting because this comes down to a matter of states' rights. Do they have the right to nullify federal gun laws? Usually, federal law takes precedent over state law, and state law takes place over county or city or local municipality law. Here, the the Senate Bill 613 that was passed already is the strongest defense against federal encroachments on the right to keep and bear arms. Now, here you go. They realize that these politicians are promising to uphold the Constitution, although they're not doing it. So Missouri is passing a bill saying, we are going to do it. We're going to uphold the Constitution. We are going to not allow federal gun law that violates any of the constitutional law to be enforced in the state of Missouri. In fact, it says all federal acts, laws, executive orders, administrative orders, court orders, rules, regulations, whether past, present, or future, which infringe on the people's rights to keep and bear arms as guaranteed by the Second Amendment to the United States, the Missouri Constitution shall be invalid in this state... Oh, the Constitution shall be invalid and shall not be recognized by this state, shall specifically be rejected by this state, shall be considered null and void and of no effect in this state. Now, that's an interesting idea that any federal law that violates the Second Amendment, they're choosing to not recognize, not enforce, or not allow to be enforced within their borders. Now, this has been done before. There was a case in Kansas where they passed a law saying they would not recognize any federal gun laws that they felt violated the Second Amendment. And one of those was included um, the manufacture and ownership of suppressors. So they allowed people to manufacture suppressors, mark them. They had to be stamped made in Kansas or, you know, for Kansas use only. And you could buy them and use them in the state of Kansas and supposedly federal law enforcement would not be able to violate the Kansas law that said that they were allowed to do this. And it ended up, there was a guy making suppressors and selling them as per Kansas law, and somebody got a hold of one, put it on YouTube, said, oh, this is great, I picked this up, threw in the sky today, blah, 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 no paperwork. And the feds got involved, and they came and arrested the guy who was making them, and they arrested the guy who had bought it and put it on YouTube. Even though the state law said they were protected against this type of prosecution, the state law, the state never stood up for them or provided any protections for them, I don't believe. And how it ended up, they ended up going to court after court. I don't think it reached the Supreme Court, but they ended up letting them go with like an $800 fine. Which if you know anything about violating NFA law, that's extremely light. Usually it's $10,000 and one to five years in jail on your first offense. And here they got away with an $800 fine and a slap on the wrist pretty much because had they pushed it and gone to a higher court, I wonder if the state law would have been upheld. 
Now, they're also saying in Missouri, any tax, levy, fee, or stamp imposed on firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition, which might be expected to create a chilling effect on the purchase or ownership of those by a law-abiding citizen. So if the, go- if the federal government's trying to put a tax stamp on something, they're not going to recognize that, and they're going to allow their state to sell stuff without that tax stamp and go about it on a state basis. Any registering or tracking of firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition, which might be reasonably be expected to create a chilling effect on the purchase or ownership of those items by law-abiding citizens. Okay. So anything that requires registration, which that's we're leading up to this, um, the bill coming up. There's a bill called H.R. 127. And that's the one I want to get into next. That's This seems like a direct defense against this bill, which is called H.R. 127, which is going to violate almost every aspect of constitutional gun rights. And uh, we're going to have to come back to that as soon as I get done with this break. We're going to come back and get into that, and you're going to see what this is all about. This is going to change the face of gun ownership forever if they get it passed. I am Roger B. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we're talking about Missouri and their law that they were, their bill that they had just passed that bans any type of federal restriction. On firearms that are defended or that are provided freedom for by the Second Amendment, and it almost seems like they created this in order to fight this next issue that I'm coming up. There's a bill that's been proposed by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, apparently another person who lied when they took the oath to defend the Constitution and the Second Amendment. She swore to in front of God and everybody, and she lied. And sometimes you just wish for lightning bolts, you know. That would be just make it easier <laughs> if there was immediate repercussions for lying with your hand on a Bible. But anyway, she's finally got some of the text out for this um, H.R. 127, and it is probably the worst. They're shooting for the sky here. They're going for the moon. This is probably the worst possible gun legislation we could ever have. It's going to be ridiculous. First of all, it provides a federal firearms registration system that will be accessible by federal, state, and local governments, including the military, and the general public. 
This system will track, make, model, serial number of all firearms, their owners, the dates they are acquired, and where they are being stored. And if this is accessed by the general public, who's to keep criminals from logging on, seeing who has these guns, and going after them? Or people from harassing you if they don't believe the same as you believe. Imagine people coming in, putting signs in your yard, or protesting your house because you have more than three guns. They want to fight. Oh, they don't want anybody. Or people in your neighborhood don't feel the same as you, and they want to protest and tell you you need to move out of their neighborhood because they don't want guns there. All this information will be available to the general public from this record system. How they can do that, I, you know, it's ridiculous. It will also track firearm loans, including ID of the loan recipient, how long it is being loaned for. And the bill applies retroactively, so current firearm owners will have up to three months to supply their gun, gun information to the federal government from the bill's effective date. It also establishes federal licensing requirements. So now you have to have a federal license to exercise a Second Amendment right. Could you imagine if you had to have a license to exercise free speech? Or the right to avoid search and seizure. Well, you can avoid illegal search and seizure if you pay a, a tax ahead of time. If not, you don't get that protection. They're talking eight hundred. You have to pay eight hundred dollars for firearms insurance from the government. Undergo an NICS check and a complete psychological evaluation, and complete twenty-four hours of firearms training. Ah, yes, this is uh. Just what you have to do in order to own a firearm in the United States if this goes through. So not only do you have to pay the government for the privilege of owning guns you already have, but you have to convince the anti-gunner that you deserve to keep your rights. This is, I mean, I have a feeling if this thing goes through, which I'm hoping even there are Democrats in the House and Senate which are going to go, okay, my constituency will not go for this. This is something that's going to make me lose my job. I can't vote for this as it sits. For the psychological evaluation, a licensed psychologist will interview individuals, spouses, and at least two other family members or associates to further determine the state of mental, emotional, and relational stability of the individual in relation to firearms. Which means if you have a relative that doesn't like you, they can speak up and say, you know what, that guy's an idiot, I don't like him, he shouldn't have any guns. And bam, the license will be denied to those individuals. For hospitalization issues such as depressive episodes and no duration for the license disability is specified. So it doesn't matter if you've gotten help, if you fully recovered, doesn't matter. Once that's on your record, you will never be allowed to own a firearm legally according to this law. So here you're getting taxed for a right you're supposed to have that the government is not supposed to make any laws infringing on. And we're going to have to go through and see how this goes. It's also going to establish a license requirements for the display of antique firearms and the right to possess military-style weapons. Boy, oh boy. Mm, I'm just reading this, and it's just it's killing me, the fact that they're going to have to do this. Applicants will have to undergo 24 hours of safety and live fire training. How about uh, for the military and veterans? They've had a whole lot more than 24 hours of training. I don't know that that's that's covered in this. It it should be because they've had, you know, they've had their 24 hours. And law enforcement also should get a waiver on this. But, you know, but that kind of creates different classes of citizens. And we're supposed to be all equal under the law. 
But, you know, yeah, having the 24 hours. Unless you're a representative or a senator. Right, unless you're a senator or a congresswoman who thinks that guns are only for you to be protected and not for the general public. But now they're also going to say, okay, 24 hours required training to possess firearms and ammunition, military-style weapons as defined as they are assault weapon bans like those in California and New Jersey. These weapons are identified by name or because they possess two or more features found on commonly owned modern semi-automatic weapons, such as adjustable stock, pistol grip, etc. We've been through this before. In 1994, they passed the assault rifle ban or the, the crime bill. And they banned these weapons before, and they had these big lists of things. And I think after seeing the loopholes that people found in those, they're going to make this much, much stricter. So they're going to try – I guess they're going to try and – these are going to be set up differently, and you're going to have to pay tax on these differently than you would any other weapons. It also criminalizes the possession of magazines which hold greater than 10 rounds. And ammunition that is 50 caliber or greater. <laughs> so if you own a 50 caliber pistol, rifle, whatever, it's going to be banned. It's not going to be allowed to be owned anymore. This is already true in California. You can't buy a 50 caliber weapon in California, at least a rifle, unless you had it prior to 1994. And there's no grandfathering clause in this legislation, meaning if you've had it for 20 years, it doesn't matter. You will have to choose between keeping your magazines and being fined or sent to prison potentially for decades for magazines that you bought completely legally and that you want to be, you know, you have no possession. You cannot possess a magazine over 10 rounds. Now, there are probably over 100 million magazines in this country easily that hold over 10 rounds. And they're probably in possession of almost anybody who owns a modern semi-automatic handgun has a gun that holds more than 10 rounds. It's at least a full-size weapon or even a compact weapon. Most of them hold between 12 to 18 rounds. That's pretty standard. So there's no grandfathering. And if you want your magazines, you're going to have to, you're going to have to give them up. You will not be able to own anything over 10 rounds. If not, you go to prison for a long time. And, it seems like it would be impossible to comply with this because they don't specify how any of these measures will be Im- implemented. It doesn't say who's going to enforce this. They're going to have to create systems for enforcement while still holding gun owners to these dates. So how are they going to do this? They're probably just going to ask for everyone to hand everything in, and anybody found in possession will probably be prosecuted. How are they going to process hundreds of millions of firearms registration petitions when they don't have the capacity to interview tens of millions of gun owners before the deadline, which means you will be held responsible for the government's inability to get to all the paperwork if you did decide to comply, which I'm not saying you shouldn't comply, but it's a consideration. <laughs> and Representative Jackson Lee wants you to face decades in prison, hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines for failing to comply with an unconstitutional and impossible to comply with law. Now, to say this is a a violation of our liberties is beyond ridiculous. The fact that she's even considering this means she has no respect for the Second Amendment or the Constitution in general. She doesn't believe that citizens have the right to defend themselves. She doesn't believe you can be your own first responder. You know, another thing that is interesting, on the other side of the the house, they are trying to do away with contract prisons. 
Oh, are they? Oh. So where are they going to put all these people that they <laughs> send to prison for having weapons? Yeah, I just, uh, I hate to think it would come to that, but I have a feeling a lot of these people would not go quietly into that good night. <laughs> <laughs> they would surrender everything one bullet at a time. Yeah. And the thing is, if groups of people get together, it's going to come down to whether law enforcement in that area or whoever's enforcing law is going to sit there and swear on a Bible that they will uphold the Constitution and then turn around and violate the Constitution the next day. Uh, you know, and you, were, you were talking about the Guard coming out to do something um, They've also overlooked another little thing in the Constitution called the Posse Comitatus. Okay. Uh, you can't just call out the Army in the United States to go against... Right. You people. can't use the military against American citizens. Exactly. But that's why the National Guard is a state-controlled but entity. It has to take the, gov- the governor of the state to, do to it. call them up. Yep. Then they can be federalized. But, you know... It's going to be death to the Democrats. Uh, you know, you would hope so, but now that they've got this new election system where they win everything all the time regardless, I don't think they're too scared anymore. <laughs> did you read the section in there about the threaded barrels? Oh, no, I did not. You can't have a flash suppressor or a gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, threaded to that's part of the two features that they can consider an assault weapon pistol grip threaded barrel muzzle br- or a flash hider there's a whole bunch of different things and if you have two or more of those it's considered an assault weapon and you're going to have to register it yes and a threaded barrel is one of those things the ar has come with the flash suppressor they do that's why an ar is going to be considered an assault weapon and they're going to be banned but there's over a hundred million military-style weapons in this country now, and I doubt people are just going to stand in line and hand them over. But more importantly, I wonder if local law enforcement is going to be called upon to enforce these laws, and will they? Will your local police chief go door-to-door trying to collect these weapons from people who he supposedly has a relationship with, who he supposedly is sworn to protect? And now all these law enforcement officers, they swore to uphold the Constitution as well from all enemies, foreign foreign and domestic. And Sheila Jackson Lee is definitely domestic. Is she an enemy to the state? Is she an enemy to our country? I don't know. She's, She's proposing laws that violate our constitutional rights. And I don't know where where we're going to be able to stop this. I mean, hopefully there'll be enough people in Congress and Senate who will realize this law is overreaching, it's impossible to enforce, and it's going to cause so much strife in our country that there would be should be no reason to even attempt to pass this. Now, of course, they're probably going to run it into the House, and they're going to probably debate it, and they're going to water it down, and they're going to change a few things here and there. And they still may get some version of the 1994 crime bill passed. And what they're probably going to have to do is put a grandfather clause in there. Anything you own already is yours to own, and they can't take it away. And they're just going to have to hope that eventually, by making all the new ones illegal, they're going to water it down so in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, there'll be so few of them that the law will be effective. But to try and make them effective, make people hand stuff in, I think, I mean, the British tried to do this. It didn't work. In 1776, we told them, go jump in a lake. And I hope it doesn't come to that, but if it does, it's going to be messy. All right, I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.